sends his um, there's there's a sweet sense of the Lord's presence and what he's wanting to do. I think the journey he has us on, but particularly where he wants to take us. And there's a stripping that comes with that. The Lord wants us to be laying some of these things down. Jesus criticized the leaders for the burdens they heaped upon the shoulders of the people. Jesus came to remove that. He says, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Trust me. And some of us need to lay some things down. Some of the things we carry are for our protection. Some of them are that we would go on the offensive. Some of the things are the things that we just, we don't know what to do with them. Some of the things we need, we think we need to have everything ready and provided for. There was a time when Jesus sent us out and said, take nothing with you. But look to what I'll give you. Some of us think we have to have it all worked out in our heads and we have to understand everything. Paul said he came with, in weakness, in trembling, fear, not with wise and persuasive words. But the Lord is doing this because he's wanting to bring us into liberty. He wants us to ascend to the heights. But we're encumbered. Today I'm talking about humility. I kind of entitled this, Down is the Way Up, interestingly. Down is the way up. You know, we're in, we're in the, um, the selfie generation, are we not? This is the era, era of the selfie. You know, they estimate that over 93 million selfies are loaded to the internet every day. The average millennial will probably take in their lifetime 25,000 photos of their face. Before they die. We have a, a culture, sadly, that with increasing narcissistic tendencies, it's about us. And we've got caught in this sort of kind of social media loop where we're constantly needing that affirmation. How many likes? How many comments? And more and more publicity. The cry of our generation is very much, interestingly, just be yourself. Here's one example of some of the posters that, I, that emerge coming to you swiftly through the airwaves. Can you just put that onto the next screen, G? <laughs> and it's the cry. And there's, there's a sense that there's an element of truth in that, but it's not the whole picture. As well as selfies, there's a phenomenon called kilfies. Actually, people are trying to take selfies in such dangerous places that their lives are at risk. Here's an example. I was dizzy just looking at that. People have actually died taking selfies because we want to live on the edge. Isn't this extraordinary? We live in a world that's full of trouble, violence, breakdown of families and structures. There's infighting and selfishness. Things on the increase. Right now there's growing paranoia around the coronavirus and the impact of that. And we want to take photos of ourselves where we risk our lives. We are hungry for something. And the invitation through Christ is actually to imitate his humility. I'm talking about these qualities. We started two weeks ago. We looked at self-awareness. And today we're looking at the, the significance of humility. One of the most profound and important messages for us, I believe, as Christ followers, as the church, as the way of but we start 
and I'm really going to speak out of this passage in Philippians, where Paul starts is not in ourselves, but in him, looking to him. And, and looking, and he says, remember the blessings that we have because of Christ. He doesn't, it's not a case of trying to work something up to be good enough, but it's responding to what he has done that changes us. And so Paul starts, he says, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, do you all have any encouragement? Do you feel courageous because you are in him and he is in you? Does anyone have any encouragement today? Do you have any comfort from his love? Has the love of God expressed through Christ touched, ravished, changed your heart, comforted you in your pain and in your sorrow because you are profoundly and deeply loved by the Creator? Do you have any fellowship in the Spirit? All things in common, we are one with Him and him, He with us. We are in Him. The Spirit is alive in us. He is the one changing us. He is the one releasing the grace and blessing of God through Christ in a, in a way that we experience such that life flows from us. Do you have any fellowship in the Spirit? Please God. Have you been touched by His tenderness and compassion? These are the things we've got to... This is why we come together. This is why we gather around the Word of God and His table. Because it reminds us of these realities and we encourage one another in the midst of that. Hopefully so. And we're hungry to be here. Because God has a purpose for our being here. Not just for us. It's not about us. It's ultimately all about Him. This is why the gift of prophecy is so important. We had some of that today. It's a beautiful thing. It's being reminded of old truths that are lost and they've drifted from our consciousness. And God brings it back to the very centre of the truth of who we are and therefore our destiny. You can all prophesy one after the other, Paul says, because it's in that moment that we are strengthened, we're edified, we're built up, we're encouraged. You see, it comes through the manifestation of the Spirit through one another. What a great gift we have for one another. As the psalmist says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. We don't usually wake up with that in mind. Sometimes on those glorious days we do, but sometimes lots of other things. I've had lots of other things in my mind. I go to sleep with them and I wake up with them. And it's a discipline to say I'm not going to obsess, think about. I'm going to choose to believe and to, to just contemplate this other greater reality, which is my greater reality. It's the place where striving ceases, where there is rest for us. Peace. To know that we're beloved children, rich beyond compare. We are secure. Do you see yourself in Him? This is the ultimate selfie. To see ourselves in Him. To see Him. So let us fix our gaze upon Him. But as we do that, we're also invited to then follow Him. He doesn't want us at a distance. He wants us with Him. And to be with Him means to be following Him and walking in His way, His life. 
You know, Paul loves this community. This is a special group, this church to him. Remember, he founded it in Philippi. It's the place where he was thrown into prison and an earthquake came. Remember that? And this, this church was founded through Lydia, a woman, as they're washing their clothes and they're converted and they start this community. There's, again, there's no guys around. It's the women folk. There's not enough men to make a synagogue, but God's not limited by a lack of either men or church buildings. Isn't that good news? It should inspire us though, man. Come on. And he talks about his, his um, yearning for them with an affectionate longing of Christ. He loves these people and he wants the very best for them. And he recognizes their, their partnership in the gospel. He says this in, back in chapter 1. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I'm, I come to see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. This is why you exist. Not to get something out of a worship service, but for the, the gospel, the very glory of God in Christ Jesus, the kingdom of God. This is our calling. This is exciting. But he's also having to address one or two issues. It's known as the letter of joy because joy is everywhere. And as Gordon Fee likes to say, joy is a verb. It's something we do. Rejoice, Lord. Again, I say, rejoice. Don't wait for to feel it. Do it. As the prophet Nike likes to say. But there's discord. There's some infighting in the community. And this conflict is always rooted in the ego, in pride, in self-centeredness. The writer of Proverbs says, pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Do you like to take advice? Do you like feedback? Do you like to be more self-aware so that you can be wiser? Oh, you're all nodding. Well, I'll be around shortly. The reality is left to ourselves. We are a proud people. There's something in our bones, in our very identity. And at times when we're locked into that place, in our selfie mode, there's a lack of care, there's a lack of attention, sensitivity, compassion. It's a, it's a place where we push other people away, even God. For as James reminds us, God resists the proud. This is why humility is so, so important. And it's in that place of very often of our own self that we become more self-reliant. And we all suffer with this condition. We like to think it's those people over there, but it's as much as it is anyone. People today often reject God. Not because there's anything wrong with God, but because we want to dictate to God. We want to define what He should even look like and how He should act. We want to be in control. We want to be like God. It's an age-old problem. And the scripture says, don't be yourself, humble yourself. Humble yourself. There's a problem with self, you see. But God wants to raise it up in a different way. And, and to get this message across, we have this extraordinary example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Carol was reading that, she's brought to tears. Are you brought to tears as you ponder him? Does he arrest you in your tracks? Do you, does he bring you to a point where you say, I can do no more, I can go no further. I cannot carry on. 
as I was. The Creator, the Sustainer of all life, the One through whom and for whom all things were created, Paul reminds us in Colossians. The One who had every right to be God and to come and show His power. And He chose not to. He chose to lay that aside. He didn't serve Himself, but He served others. He made Himself, Paul says, nothing. Who wants to be nothing? He submitted to death. Remember, He's the creator of life. He is life. I am the life. He would never have died unless He had surrendered to it. Because He's the eternal one. But He embraces death for us. And not any death, but the most ugly the most inhuman kind of death, that of crucifixion. He did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for this whole world that He loves with a passion that we struggle to grasp and receive. He took the shame. He took the agony upon His body. He took the desolation of aloneness, the selflessness. Does it stop you in your tracks? Does it break you? And so Paul encourages the conflicted. He says, be of one mind. His mind, the mind of Christ. Have the same love, the love of Christ. Reflect the same one spirit, the spirit of Christ. You see, it's all Him. It's all through Him. This is none of us. It's just our response to Him. You don't work this up. You don't have to be good enough for it. You just have to surrender and yield to it. But we don't want to. But it's not about us. None of it is. There is no you. There's only Him and us in our response to Him. This is humility. And we follow Him who showed us the way and says, walk with me. And then the the blessing of that is we reap the benefit, the rewards. (laughs) This is not so life be miserable. This is actually so we find the secret of life. And often we're miserable because... We're ignoring it. Or we're saying it's too hard. Or we don't want to give up. Or we don't believe. We don't truly trust. It's real. Let's face it. Down is the way up in the kingdom of God, the topsy-turvy kingdom, someone once called it. Jesus himself had to trust the downward journey. He had to entrust himself into the Father We think, well, he knew what was going to happen. He knew the future. No, he'd given everything up. He was absolutely dependent upon the Christ, the Spirit in him, and what he knew of the Father and his love. He knew where he was from and he knew where he was going. But he still had to endure. Therefore God has also highly exalted him. And given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is why we worship him. This is why we come to church. Even though church is who we are, not the place we go. We are the body of Christ. But because of him and through him. And we follow His example. For God gives grace to the humble. 
You don't get in without humility. You don't stay in without it. You don't grow without it. You don't experience the blessings of Christ without it. It's not an optional extra. It's not an elective of the discipleship life. Humility. It's the primary virtue. The chief characteristic. The highest call. It's Jesus and his example. Peter puts it like this. All of you, be submissive to one another. And be clothed with humility. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. That's the call. That's the way of life. And believe you me, that was not natural to Peter. No way, Jose. But he came to discover the richness that came through it. So there is no place for conflict. There's no place for infighting. There's no place for unforgiveness in the way of humility. It's the baggage we've got to let go. To allow God to remove and heal us from and empower us to walk the way of humility through confession and forgiveness. It's the way of life. And there's also no way or room for prideful self-reliance. I say to myself when I invite you on the similar journey. So what does it look like? Well, one, of the, one of the labels, unfortunately, we, we put on the, the younger generation is that of entitlement. I'm not sure it doesn't relate to many of us as well. But probably humility is the very antithesis of entitlement. I had a clip from uh, um, Nelson Mandela and in an interview he did with, uh, well, you'll see. Hold on a sec. You're all familiar with Nelson Mandela, right? And what he endured. The imprisonment, unjust. The apartheid system that he was a victim and abused by. And what, what's amazing is when he was eventually released from prison and ultimately becomes president, the spirit in which he does that. That's right. So Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, prideful, self-centeredness. Value others more than yourself. Put them up front. Take thought of other people's needs and interests before your own. So I've got a few things as to what that might look like and how we might play that out in our community, in our families. So firstly, to think of others. To actually take time to get to know other people and hear their stories. It struck me from time to time, and somebody quite recently, sitting down at an event with people where we'd been together for quite some time, and they heard things, they just didn't know these people. And the reality is, unless we take the time to sit down together, not necessarily on a Sunday, but at other times, have a coffee together, ask questions, take interest in each other's stories, make it about the other, care, we will stay disconnected. But this is an aspect of humility, I would say. Secondly, give versus take. Be givers. Admit my invitation to you that all of us need to get better at recognizing and meeting relational needs of others, even our spouses if we're married. And set your face towards that. Become a person who gets better at giving comfort, giving encouragement, 
that doesn't come easily to me, encouragement, because I, I never got a lot of that. We just, you kind of put your head down and got on with stuff. But we're called to encourage one another, not put our heads down and get on with your stuff. To show respect, to listen well, to apologize when necessary. To appreciate what people do. Anyway, get better at meeting needs, relational needs, especially of others. Here's one, be open-minded. Learn from others. Be teachable. Willing to repent. I'm not talking about when I first come to Christ. I mean every day after that. We're all addicted to the ways we think. And we all think we're right. And we're unwilling to be influenced. You see, again, this played out on social media. Any difference of opinion means we're, we're disconnected, we can't be together, because we all pridefully think we've got the whole picture. But we don't see things clearly. We need one another's perspective. Next one, ask for and receive feedback. We've talked about that a little bit. Those who take advice are wise, remember the words in Proverbs. And when you receive feedback, receive it without defensiveness. Don't kick back. Thank them for that. Even if you think they're wrong. It takes courage to give feedback when asked for. So ask for it. Admit when you've made a mistake. Say things like, I was wrong. This is humility. Care about what your wrongness caused. Because the reality is at times all of us have been and will be. For instance, have you ever been insensitive, disrespectful, dismissive or judgmental? Have you ever been angry and expressed it with harsh or critical words? I know I'm going from preaching to meddling here. I apologise for that. Have you ever been selfish, rude, demanding or embarrassing to those near to you? Have you ever been sarcastic or condescending? It's a way of life I grew up with. What's wrong with that? It's hurtful. It's selfish. It's about getting your own laugh. Have you ever been emotionally closed off or cold? How are you feeling? I'm fine. I'm good. That's self-protection. That's pride. Have you been neglectful, avoidant, or passive-aggressive? I'm going to get my way. I'm going to go around the houses until we get there. I'm not going to confront. If we fail to deal directly with people who've done things to hurt us, we can easily fall into that passive-aggressiveness. This is not humility. This is not the way of Christ. This does not carry blessing. God has left you because he resists the proud. Have you focused more on what's wrong than what's right? Are you a half-empty person? Anyway, some things to ponder. Over lunch, perhaps. Back to our other list. <laughs> I've, got, I've got 11. Is that good? I'm pleased to see some people taking notes. But if you want a copy of this, I'll send it to you. Just ask me. Have do we easily give up our freedoms for the sake of others? 
Do you give up your freedoms for the sake of others? Or do you say, I have every right to do that? Isn't it interesting in, 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 when, God, when Paul goes to Philippi and he meets Timothy and Timothy becomes his disciple and faithful son but he's got a Greek father so he has him circumcised the very chapter after he's fought for the need not to be circumcised. And poor old Timothy, he's not that old but he's not that young either. He's certainly not seven days old. That's going to sting. Paul submits him to circumcision for the sake of the gospel. You see Paul's passion here. But what about you? Do you hang on to your freedoms? What the heck? Do you accept other imperfect people with a commitment to know and care for them? Because they disrupt our lives. I've got a secret for you. You're not perfect either. And would you like people to accept you? Of course we would. But we want to keep our circle small at times. And the invitation of the gospel is from your Jerusalem to your Judea to your Samaria to the ends of the earth. We're keeping small because we want to be in control. Because we want to be our own boss. We want to do our own thing. We're prideful. It's not the way of Christ. Are you free to see how the imperfections of others have affected you? And there's some healing and growth called for. Do you serve? Is that your instinctive desire? Not to be served but to serve and to give your life. That's the one we follow. Do I give of my time? Do I serve the needs of others? Whether it's in my family or in this community. This is why Paul says the way the church becomes the body of Christ, becomes like Christ, is when everybody serves. When everybody walks in the gifting and calling that they've been given through the Spirit. There are some people who do a tremendous amount. They, they lay their lives out. I see it day in, day out. But there are some people doing too much because others aren't doing enough. And I don't say that to beat people over the head with a stick is to say let's hear the call to serve, to give of our time as well as our talents do you serve your boss at work oh come on come on Mike do you care significantly about them and look for his or her needs and in that place when they're treating you badly you look for ways to love them this is the way of Christ you're starting to see this is the way of a cross, don't you? You see, that's where this took Jesus. This is where it takes us. It's the crucifixion of our wills, of our very identity. But as the promise was true for Jesus, it's true for us. The Father raises us up to be with Him. Do you celebrate other people's successes when you're feeling unsuccessful? Can you enter into their joy when you're not feeling it? And equally, can you express empathy for other people's pain and struggles when you've got enough stuff of your own to be going on with? Finally, admit your need of other people. We need one another. Paul says you can't say, you know, one part of the body can't say to the, you know, I'm the hand and I don't really need those knees or ankles or that head thing. Absolutely. It doesn't make sense, does it? A hand on itself isn't going to do much. 
And in the same way, we belong to one another. This is where we've given up our sense of the individual. We are the body. And we need one another. In fact, the, the parts, Paul says, that you think you need the least, you need the most. For your benefit. And we see that being played out. These, I would suggest to you, are characteristics of what it means to be a people who are humble, who are walking the way of humility, the way of the blessing of the Father, the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's, um, let's just bow our heads a moment and I want you to pray and listen. Like good old Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And invite the Holy Spirit of the things that we've shared, of the place that you're in, What is it the Holy Spirit is inviting you into in this journey downwards that is a journey of ascents to the heights? So Lord, we thank you again for your amazing example of the suffering servant. We are beneficiaries, Lord, of your life laid down. Teach us this way of humility, the way of the cross the way of selflessness in a culture gone crazy with selfishness. Speak to us now, Lord, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. You know each person. You know us individually and personally. And you see us in the midst of the body. And you know our need. Make your will known, Lord. Give us a sensitivity to your voice and give us courage, Lord, to walk in your ways.